What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. My name is Scott, coming at you live from the Last American Vagabond Studios here in historic Franklin, Tennessee. And I'm very excited about this episode today, guys. But uh, just first, real quick, just uh, if you want to come support the show. Oh, I always forget to pull this up before. Okay, here we go. So this is a website, Rebunk.news. Um, if you're new to the show, go sign up for the email list that'll pop up there so that we can get notifications about any live streams coming up. A um, couple ways to support the show. We've got the Give, Send, Go going. That's givesendgo.com forward slash Rebunked. Or there's a link right there on the main page. Um, we got the t-shirt shop on the main page. And also, if you want to have a reoccurring uh, way to support the show, so over at Subscribestar, subscribestar.com forward slash rebunked, or there's also a link on the main page. So here you'll just see all the links to the social media. Telegram is probably the best place, t.me forward slash rebunked pod. Um, other than that, probably Instagram is where I'm most active. And then any value for value contributions, including crypto or PayPal, debit credit, the bottom of the page. So that's the way you keep it afloat. And then also, um, without getting too much into it, you guys, I'm trying to like shorten these little intros up. But uh, if you look in the episode description, you will see links to any of the affiliates such as Truth TRS, Heavy Metal Detox, or Richard Grove's Autonomy Course. So uh, yeah, check that out in the episode description. So without further ado, guys, I'm really excited. We have uh, Pete Quinones from the Pete Quinones Show. How's it going, Pete? Hey, what's going on, man? Doing well. Hey, not much. I'm really grateful to be able to connect. Um, I've been following your work for a long time. And uh, I've, I've been able to kind of witness your progression, you know, both as, uh, you know, just kind of trying to put together the world, you know what I mean? Trying to like understand what this thing is, like, like from like a libertarian perspective. And then I want to get to like where you're kind of where you're at today, because one of the things that when I was first, I kind of really woke up to this stuff post COVID, man. Like I was just like, you know, I was awake to, you know, 9-11, you know, I could talk about hollow earth. I could talk about all this stuff forever, but then like just the complete disillusionment of this regime that we know as government you know at first like i was just like dude there's got to be something else and so i started opening up my eyes to the whole idea of like libertarian philosophy and this was kind of new to me so i reached out to one of my good friends adam who does a fantastic show called deborah gets red pilled and i know that he's a big uh he's a big listener supporter of yours as well and he 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 gave me i was like dude what do i do what do i do like give me some resources and definitely your show was one of the main ones and i'd already been following uh free man beyond the wall so I'd, i was already following your show and then he he, he sent me over there. And uh, so, so I've been kind of following your progression as like a libertarian thinker philosopher for a little bit. Um, and then also, well, yeah, I mean, I know that's probably a funny way to, to describe it, but you know what I mean? But you know what I mean though, right? Like just these ideas, these concepts, like I've, I've heard you like talk about these things in a way that helped me understand them anyway. But then also right. as a podcaster, I remember early on hearing one, a, a podcast, you saying like, okay, I'm actually do, being able to do this full time. Like I remember you like going through that phase where you were able to like transition into doing podcasting full time. And I was held on to that as like, okay, that's a really cool thing to aspire to. So all that being said, I was hoping maybe you could just give us a little background about yourself from some of the listeners that may not be familiar with you. Just kind of get us up to speed and then we'll get into it. Sure. I um, became very boring. I became a libertarian by finding out about Ron Paul in 2007. I was watching the debate when he, after he, when he went after Giuliani. And the things he said made sense to me because I sort of had them in my head, but you know, they, you know, that a, you know, the reason why they they're over here, you know, the reason why nine 11 happened basically is because we've been bombing the crap out of them for decades. 
And that made a lot of sense to me. So I just went down the libertarian rabbit hole back in 2017, flash, flash, fast forward 10 years. Um, I started a podcast in July of 2017, and I wanted to concentrate on mostly like anarcho-capitalist, voluntarist, libertarian kind of you know, teachings, dogma, whatever you want to call it. And I did and actually made a documentary with some friends of mine, which really points towards, you know, anarcho-capitalism and voluntarism called a Monop the Monopoly on Violence. It's on it's on Amazon Prime. It's also on YouTube. Um, it's the one that isn't in French because there is like right around the same time another one came out that was in French. So I don't know French. So obviously the then when COVID happened, I mean, like immediately I knew what was happening. I knew uh, we were doing episodes in February of 2020 talking about this is going to be about vaccines. It's going to be about passports. It's going to be about this, about that. So I, I was able to have people on early enough that we called it. We knew exactly what was happening. Um, and that was pretty scary until the summer of George happened. And mm. when the summer of George happened, uh, that's when I basically said, I don't really know about this libertarian ideology anymore. And not as like, okay, I believe in private property. You know, I believe, I, I believe in gun rights, but as an overarching ideology where, you know, some day it'll rule society. It'll, when I say rule society, it will be the basis for a society. I just didn't see how that was even possible when you have people murdering people in the streets and they're basically getting off and they're you know, being bailed out by, you know, the vice, pre the future vice president of the United States and actors and actresses. So I basically started going down a rabbit hole of reading, um, Curtis Yarvin, uh, Mencius Moldbug, his old his old blog from 2007 through, I think, 2016, Unqualified Reservations. He used to be a libertarian. He used to be an anarcho-capitalist, and he abandoned it, and I wanted to know why. And it just made sense. It This world is about power. Politics is about power. And it's about who gets in power and who wields it and how it's being used. And liberta oh, many libertarians, and especially anarcho-capitalists, because they're anarchists, and voluntarists because they believe in voluntary exchange, they're never going to want to grab hold of power, even at the local level. They they consider it to be immoral, which is something that I used to say too, but I quickly just was like, well, that's it's more immoral to kill people in the streets. I'm sorry. You know, it's sorry. Um, then went, went forward. I knew the election of 2020 was fixed. It was rigged. I didn't think, I didn't say, oh, there's widespread fraud. I said, all you got to do for an election is put people in the right place and have um, certain areas where you stuff ballot boxes and you can, you know, you can swing this thing. And so I still, to this day, believe that that was stolen. I believe the Molly Ball article in Time Magazine is proof of it. And then January 6th happened. And January 6th was... Well, the people who don't like us, we're going to put them in prison. We're basically going to, without without trial, without, uh, we're going to keep them in solitary confinement without trial because they took a tour of a building that they paid for, you know? And I don't even like to bring that up, you know? It's like, oh, well, sure. you paid for the thing and everything. It's like, well, I mean, that's, that's stupid. But, you know, it, it is a point that it's supposed to be the people's house. But, you know, you learned that day that 
you know, and then they immediately built a, a fence around it. I wish they would have built a wall 50 feet high because, you know, that really just goes to show that the government is illegitimate. They believe themselves to be illegitimate. They're operating like a banana republic. And you come forward all the way to Ukraine. Mm. And the when I saw, you know, I know the history of Ukraine. I've studied the history of Ukraine. I used to be part of the Libertarian Institute with Scott Horton. Scott Horton's mm. been teaching me about what's happening in Ukraine for five, you know, for over five years. And I knew that it was NATO who was um, NATO along with Israel who were instigating the problems there. I know that. Um, you know, over 10,000 Russian citizens in the Donbas region had been killed by Azov Battalion and other forces over the past 10 years. And I know that marching NATO up to the doorstep of Russia is probably a really bad idea. So should Putin have invaded Ukraine? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not the one to judge that. I'm not, I'm not a military tactician. I'm not, you know, I, I just know what led us to this point, why he did it. So, um, yeah, I got up here and basically I'm at the point where I think that really the easiest way to mitigate what we're seeing is to try to build local communities, um, take over, take over your local, take over your local town council, take over your local school board and, basically start you know quote unquote kicking the bums out and instituting you know something like hans Hermann hoppe's what must be done strategy where you start privatizing as much as possible and um you know build yourself a little you know, uh, you know well just you know a little army or yeah, let's, just you know, a little bit yeah. let's call it you know let's call it what it is you just build <laughs> you know if the the feds show up and they want to do something you meet them at the county line and you tell them you're not welcome here. Yeah. And yeah. if they want to go to war over that, they can go to war. You know, hey, let's see them. Let's see them flatten an American town and see how that yeah. works out for them. You know? Yeah. But exactly. Think, I wouldn't I put it past them. them. Oh, well, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them at this point, especially. But I mean, the founders knew that if the change was going to happen, people were going to have to die. And I don't want anybody to die. I don't want to die. But I mean, when you see what they've been doing, especially with the summer of George, summer of love 2020, and they're just basically willing to kill people in the streets for their, um, you know, people who believe that it was, uh, oh, it was just a bunch of lunatics running out. I mean, these were finance. These people were financed by (laughs) by NGOs, basically, basically a color revolution, much like happened in Ukraine in 2013 and 2014. And it's happened in multiple countries especially eastern european countries over the past couple of decades happened in the streets in um, in the united states on in 2020 and most people don't even realize that and most people don't realize how much everything has changed since then yeah i agree man and and just in the short time that i've really kind of been studying this stuff not not in depth you know i've read a few things you know, I, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, but even my opinions kind of change a little bit. And then like some of the ideas that I, I latched onto in the beginning have fundamentally been challenged, right? In a lot of different ways. And so do you feel like there is any political solution to what we're facing right now? Um, locally, I think us as people locally, if we, I mean, <clears throat> the reason why the federal government exists is because a small minority that is, um, well-organized, will always be able to wield power over a large majority that, sh- that is not organized. 
and you can't organize 330 million people. I'm sorry. It's just, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So what you have to do is you have to organize locally because you can, I mean, if you get 12 people in a small town to run for office and get elected, I mean, you can basically change the whole town and you can change the politics of that town and make it into anything you want. Basically um, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that most people are just along for the ride. They're not really going to fight back, even when you're telling them they can't go home and that they're, you know, they're going to lose their house, they're going to lose their job, and they're going to lose their fortune. So, you know, the way I've looked at it is, I've been saying is, take over your town, do whatever, you know, turn it into a fascist paradise, you know, turn it into friggin', you know, something, something like Singapore exists right now, something with a high, um, you know, with a, where you know, you get punished for breaking the law. And sure. people will go along with it. They, there will be 5% that won't go along with it. And you just either pay them to leave. And if they don't want to take the money to leave, you get rid of them. I mean, you yeah. t- you take them to the, you pack their stuff up for them and you take them to the, to the county line or the town line. And you say, you're not welcome here. Don't come back. And yeah. I think that's what you do. I think there are some states. I mean, I, I don't want to put, I think a state is too large to, put all to count on but you know a lot of what DeSantis has done in in florida is been okay and abbott um nationally i mean i i'm honestly at the point where i think the only thing that's going to change something nationally is if somebody who really has a pair of balls like unlike donald trump will go in there and actually drain the swamp you know on day one be like okay the state department's fired okay yeah. the pentagon the pentagon's a museum now you know we're we're going to have the military, but the military is going to run out of an office here in the White House. And that's all we need. And yeah. you don't need the State Department when you have Skype or you have Zoom. You can just talk to any world leader like that um, and just start dismantling everything. And, yeah, he's going to have to be willing to die in order to do it because they'll probably try to kill him. Um, but I think that's literally the only way anything is going to be changed without a century, without a century long, a hundred year plan of getting people into certain spots in states in state governments and things like that, where you can actually go and you can actually do that and maybe not do it so heavy handed. But, um, I honestly only see like a red Caesar being able to change things at the federal level, uh, at the state level. It's really sketchy. I think the local level is really all that people like us can uh, can actually control. Yeah, absolutely. And I talk about it all the time on this show, and I feel like that really is the solution. You know, they want us to engage with them on the level where, you know, they can provocateur action out of us to demonize, you know, liberty minded people. They want to uh, they want us to engage in some sort of fashion where we're meeting them on their terms, where they have the monopoly of violence. Right. So that we can. So that they, you know, we, we're forced into meeting them on their terms when really the solution is to pull back and build community. That's been such a huge thing that I've found so much value in, you know, over the last couple of years that I could, I don't know how I would have been able to withstand the last couple of years without a serious focus on building community. And a lot of that was born out of, you know, me learning about like agorism, like agorist philosophy, you know, getting involved with the freedom cells movement. Are, are you familiar with yeah. freedom cells? Are you- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you been a part of that at all? Or? I, when I lived in Atlanta, I was a part of a freedom cell, and it was oh, uh, oh, oh, very edifying. Very, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Where I live right now, there's no freedom cell, but you know we have a um, you know, I have people here. So. Cool. Yeah. So it's like a, an informal freedom cell, right? Like people like freedom yeah. cells, kind of like the 
the delineation for something that a lot of people are just doing already. You know what I mean? Like, like right. out in Oregon, see, this is the kind of, okay. So I, a little bit about me is like, I, I born and raised in Oregon. I lived in Eugene, Oregon for the last, uh, you know, 10 years all the way through COVID. And I just moved to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, about five months ago. So I'm, I'm a new, uh, <laughs> a new resident of a red state, which is kind of a trip, you know what I mean? Which is kind of a trip. But, uh, one of the things I learned is that out in Oregon, you know, we were organizing around a freedom cell. You know, a lot of people in Oregon, this whole idea of like freedom and liberty, it was just something we took for granted. And, and, and all of a sudden once uh, tyranny was at our doorstep, we all realized, oh, wow, I actually do kind of value my freedom a little bit. You know what I mean? There's like a new <laughs> concept, like actually like having these things challenged. Whereas, you know, in places like Tennessee, maybe not the Nashville area in particular, because this is like mini California now at this point in the Nashville area. But, you know, I've met a lot of people outside the city and I've been blessed to really start networking with people who are really like doing the deal around here. And it's like, you know, places like this, like Liberty freedom, like these are like deeply held in their roots, you know what I mean? And so it's a different type of approach to this situation. And so building community out here, like out in Oregon, that was like a new concept, like all of us rallying around the center point of freedom. Whereas here, that's just the culture. You know what I mean? Like, it's a really, it's a really awesome thing. It sounds like that's kind of what you're describing, like here, where you're at, just like, you know, this is just what we do, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm five hours south of you and, okay. um, and Alabama. And oh, cool. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the town I live in, you know, is a college town, but it wasn't overrun with BLM or anything because they know they're surrounded by crazy white people with guns. So ain't going to do it. And, you know, that's why I'm like, never going to, I, I, I made the mistake. I, I made a huge mistake of moving to Ohio last year for six months, uh, with the exception of some friends that I made up there that will be my friends for life. Um, but once I came back to the South after six months, I was like, I'm never leaving the South again. I mean, it's just, it's such a different attitude. It's such a different um, way of life. It's such a different um, expectation. You, you, you actually expect that people are going to know how to act that people are going to, um, you know, you also have guns mm -hmm. and lots of them. You know, I know you had them in Oregon too, but you're not allowed to use them, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, or else you go to jail. But, you know, here people use guns all the time. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, if you don't have firearms, you're free people has to have, I mean, okay, bumper stickers are great and everything. Uh, but, you know, if somebody doesn't want to have firearms, I'm not going to be, um, I'm not going to be upset with them. I also think that there are some people that should not have firearms. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there. I mean, I, you know, there are a bunch of people. Um, the ghost guns account on Twitter talks about how everyone should have access to firearms, and I'm like, I don't want pedophiles and rapists, and I don't want murderers, and you know, people. I, I don't want them to have access to firearms, and if that means the state prevents them from having firearms, and that makes me a statist, so be it. I don't give a fuck. Um, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. th these people should not, we should, we should be pointing guns at them. Like, I mean, put it this way. It's people say, oh, well, you know, if they're, if the, if they're outside of jail, that means that they're, you know, they should be able to have guns because they already served their time. Really? I mean, rapists get like three years, serve like three years. Sure. You know, I mean, <laughs> come on. People who have illegal guns serve 10, 20. It's like, I mean, I'm sorry. They, I don't care that they, they paid their debt to society. You know, I, I'm part of society and I'm not the only one who thinks that these people should not have guns. So mm -hmm. I really wish Cody would get rid of the person who's running that, 
Twitter account because um, I think it's embarrassing to um, to defense distributed that some he's got some left libertarian running that running that thing who is pandering to um, the homosexual community and everyone else. Mm. Interesting. And, and, you know, that's a, that brings up a great point, you know, like a lot of these fundamental, you know, thought philosophies around like libertarian thinking, you know, can be challenged pretty easily with something like that, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of my initial thoughts when it came to libertarian anarchist type philosophy was like challenged by actually like Owen Benjamin. And I know that you, you had him on your show recently and I love uh, Owen. Yeah, Owen's, Owen might be the best. Owen might be the best human being on the planet right now. Yeah, no, I, I feel you, man. Like I, I'm pretty much like, I don't usually go a day without missing a stream, but like his takes on this sort of stuff, like really, I was like, Oh yeah, I guess that is like, okay. Like what you said, you know, like how do we, let's say there's a certain class of people, you know, the pedophiles, rapists that you don't want to have guns. Like how is that enforced then? Or like, let's say in a, in a perfect anarchistic society, let's say your neighbor starts like, how do we all agree upon like the idea that like you shouldn't sell like your 13 year old daughter into like sex slavery. And it's like, well, if, if that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. Like, no, 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 no. And so is that up to me to enforce it? Like, so, so then like the next iteration of that is like, well, then I guess we do need to have some sort of like governing body that keeps people from selling their kids into sex slavery. And then it just kind of goes from there. Right. And yeah. so it's like, wow. So I guess that's true, you know? And, and then the idea, well, the whole of, thing, you know, and, and the whole thing with the, you know, something you hear from what um Hans Hermann Hoppe would call the la la libertarians or the, you know the the what i call the libertarians is that you know if parents want to take their kids to a drag show you know to a drag show that's fine okay sure if parents want to if a parent wants to sell their 8 year old daughter to a 40 year old to get married that's fine because that's the slope. I mean, the slope. I mean, we saw they just want. I mean, in two thousand eight, you know, for for decades, they just wanted gay marriage. In two thousand eight, Barack Obama and John McCain did not. They were both against gay marriage. Over the next four years, something happened, and Barack Obama was for gay marriage, and all they wanted to do was get married. And now they are kindergarten teachers teaching anal sex to kindergartners, and now they, you know, are. Dra drag drag queen story hour in public you know in, in libraries oh well if you don't like well just just end public libraries shut the hell up people are idiots yeah. um yeah you know, something needs to be done about these people because <laughs> let me tell you something we have a historical precedent for what we're seeing in this society right now and it did <laughs> they got pretty heavy hand when they finally took power to fight against the deviancy that was taking that was taking took over the society people um people paid people yeah. paid the ultimate price a lot of people and that's you're going to see that again if people if you, you know i i've said this i said you know i saw a video i don't know if it was alex stein doing it or somebody but some drag queen had just um you know performed for some kids mm -hmm. and everything and they were following him out to following him out to the car yeah. and you know just you know letting him have it I, and i said at that time i'm like keep this up you know six months to a year down the line they're gonna start hanging these people they're gonna you're gonna find them hanging from freaking telephone poles yeah and if that's a society if that's where you want to get society to well maybe you need to stop this now and unfortunately i don't think it can be stopped i i think that I think the worst is inevitable. And yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty mind blowing, man. I don't know. We are worse. I mean, I've studied the Weimar Republic and everything mm-hmm. that they did in the Weimar Republic pretty friggin' extensively. And okay, well, we yeah, are, let's, let's get into that. We are like, worse. We are worse. After World War One, they put a blockade on Germany, Austria, and basically in 1918 just started starving the country. Um, I have a, a diary of um, by Anne Eisenmenger called Blockade. It's the diary of a middle-class Austrian woman. And she just basically describes how you know, one week everyone's having 1200 calories a day. The next week they're having 500 calories a day. The next week they have no food. And not only did they do that to Germany and Austria, but they also communists were pouring over the border from, from the Soviet union. They were coming in and they're basically trying to set up a stronghold. Somebody opened up a transgender clinic guy named Magnus Mm. Hirschfeld and started doing transgender surgery and also turned the turned it into a gay brothel the money the money supply got inflated and it got so bad that you had in the streets openly male female and child prostitution and that what does that do to a society you know it's like well nobody's violating the non-aggression principle mm. you know so you know, what, but what does that do to a society well somebody's going to rise up and go, look, we're a proud German people. We're a p- proud Prussian people. And we've survived things like this before. Elect me, put me in power, and I will put a stop to this. And they elect a guy who the, fr- the first two things he does is he makes pornography illegal and he outlaws interest, usury. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> when you look at what, when you look at the way things are going right now, as far as the degeneracy with the pornography and the um, the transgenderism and the you know just open homosexuality, it's already worse here and on a grander scale because the United States is much bigger than you know Germany and it was you know pocket pockets of Germany. Well, <laughs> looks like the money supply is getting blown up, right? Yeah. Exactly. And um, what happens when people can't eat? What happens when people can't feed their kids? What do they resort to? And historically, what you see is somebody rises up and says, hey, we're a proud American people. Our heritage is of freedom. And we should have never allowed these things into our country into the first in the first place. Yeah, man. It's, and history, it's, it's, and and then history. You know, I don't know if it repeats itself, but it certainly rhymes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and and so, but but so, but the, in addition to that too, but it's like not only not only everything you just described there, but then it's just absolutely been adopted. And like when in Weimar, was it was it more just like subversion, like in the streets, or do you feel like like the was there like a government in place that was instigating it and promoting it? Because like what we're seeing now is like all of this degeneracy that's that's obviously like a cancer it's it's been co-opted and adopted by every single corporation every single government like the world economic forum like all of these like non-governmental organizations everything across the board everything establishment has incorporated it and is just using it as a baton to just bash everybody over the head who doesn't fall in line with it like is that is that as that's that's why that's why this is worse yeah that's why this is worse uh, okay. Because you, know, you had factions fighting over, you know, you had the KDP, which was the communists, 
Yeah, the the uh, NSDAP was the National Socialists, and you know you had other you had um, middle of the road types who were just basically trying to steer it, you know, steer it away from what was happening. Um, here, the government is act actively promoting all this stuff, and is um, yeah. So you know, it was a lot of out. What you saw in Weimar was a lot of outside forces, and you do see. There's specifically one outside force that's caused a lot of this problem that, you know, conservatives and and a lot of Christians just by default support. But, you know, I mean, and it may be the same people who um, started the problems in Weimar, but. Okay. Yeah. You know, we get into that. You might. <laughs> I don't know where you're going to post this. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I mean, like, like, if we want to get into it, like, I was going to even ask you. I'm like, so this this diary that you speak of from the Weimar Weimar Republic was it written in ballpoint pen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This the diary, the um, Anne Eisenmenger's diary is just it's heartbreaking. It's and you can't find it anymore. It's um, there's on on Library Genesis you can get a PDF of it. If you want a hard copy, you have to order it from, I think it's biblio.com, which comes from India, and then it comes in an eight and a half by 11 hardback. Um, but yeah, the diary you're talking about, the one that was um, obviously um, somebody added stuff to it later. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's wasn't it admitted? God, I don't even know. I, I I slightly tapped down this rabbit hole a little bit, but I haven't fully immersed. Well, they, well, well, you know what they do is they're like, well, they'll admit a little bit. Because if they admit, you know, if okay, well, we have to admit that, you know, that some of this was, you know, her dad went in and, you know, put some notes in there and everything. But it's like, okay, well, if he did that, how much more did he do? Because I've always said about that diary. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine in 2007. I remember it because it was, we were having this question, we were having this discussion on my wedding day. Oh, God. <laughs> and he was saying, yeah, have you ever just noticed about that diary that all the, it's like, the babblings of a friggin' 13 year old girl who's has scat humor and all this. And then all of a sudden just jumps into like philosophy. Mm. And it's like, yeah. 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 It's kind of like that guy on nine 11 that morning, that famous footage of him. And he's like, well, the buildings came down because surely there was like, you know, structural damage due to intense office fire. Right. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. So that, that guy's just uh, pushing a narrative right there. So yeah, man. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's a rabbit hole right there. And maybe, maybe we could come and have on a happy bag on. We'll do a full, full deep dive into all that fun stuff. Cause like we can get into it, but, uh, but I do, I have some other questions just about like, just like local stuff here. And, and, and some of the stuff that like I, I talk, called the episode building community and clown world. And, and I love your humor. You know, I know you love talking about clown world. And it's like, we're almost at this point where it's just like, you know, like, it's just like, let's just talk about how crazy this stuff is. It's just like, it's hard to get past that sometimes, but, but uh, staying focused on the prize. Like, and, and I feel like building community is such, such an important thing. So you said you moved during COVID. Like what, how, how has your life overall changed throughout COVID? Do you feel like you're in a better place now through all this than you were? Well, I, for most of COVID, I was in Atlanta, yeah, which wasn't the greatest place to be, but Georgia did open up before i mean i was eating at a restaurant on may 1st 2020 so you know kemp shut down and then like he was like up oh, 14 days were up uh, for the 14 shut down for 14 days they're up everything can open back up and even trump complained about that 
Wow. So there, yeah. there's your, there's, there's your, there's your hero. There's your, we're going to drain yeah. the swamp guy. Um, yeah. And I hung around there for a while because I was working for, I, I you know, I had a, a regular job. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I was able to work myself out of a job, um, I got out and went to a small town in Ohio for a while that didn't work out. So there like six months and plus it's just way too cold. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. um, Due to circumstances, I just headed out of there and came down to Alabama and we'll see how long um, I have a lease through next August and, uh, you know, see what happens after that. But I mean, I'm definitely not leaving the South. I mean, I'm yeah. or or, you know, I can think about Texas or so, but I consider Texas to be the South, Oklahoma to be the South. I mean, I just oh. I know they're not really supposed to be considered, but they, you know, they were there for they were there for us during the war. But the, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I think really, it's like I said in the beginning, it's, Mm. it's all about localism. It's all about the, you know, life is all about relationships Mm -hmm. and you can't have a relationship with your Senator. You can't have a relationship with your, your Congressman, but you can have a relationship with the people around you. You can even have a relationship with some of the local politicians if they'll allow you. And if they don't want to have a relationship with you, get rid of them. Yeah. Run somebody against them the next time. Do what you have to do. Um, so, yeah, building community and clown world. Yeah. I really only think it can be done at the local level. And really, I mean, it's like, it's like I've said this numerous times. I've said, you know, local localism is the way to go for the future because also it leads to decentralization. But if you're in the Bronx where I grew up, it's not going to work. Mm. It's just not going to work. I mean, you have a entrenched bureaucracy that is completely locked into Washington, D.C. It's there's in the Bronx. If you are if you're a Republican in the Bronx, you're basically you you have to hide it. Yeah. You know, so I think that this is for red areas you know, a strategy for red areas. And if you're in a blue area that you don't think can be turned and really, even if you think it can be turned and it's going to be a lot of work, get the hell out yeah. you know, and go someplace. You know, you know how many people I know in COVID that, you know, people that left New York city and went to Florida, went to Texas, you know, just went Pennsylvania, even Pennsylvania was, you know, better, you know, better for gun rights too, if you're from New York. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, pick some place that you you know that you know at least you have a hope that will be um, be on your side and would be willing to fight against all this. Yeah, absolutely. I I can totally vouch for that. I mean, I had that same experience. Like, I just abandoned everything and just took a took a chance. And I've never thrived as much as I have been since I got to Tennessee. Like, it's just insane. Like, just it's just the people I've been meeting. And I just basically started my own handyman company as soon as I got here, because, you know, I'm, I'm still I, was, I still got to, you know, I'm not quite doing the podcast thing full time. But like, it's just been like such a blessing. And just like just the overall energy of being in a place like this versus Oregon, which like, I wasn't really thriving out there. Like, you know, we, we were doing some cool stuff with the podcast. But man, like, it was tough. It was really, really, really rough. But uh but, you know, I still have hope for people that are still in those situations because I have to say, like, a lot of my folks, like, a lot of or a lot of my people are still out there and they just can't 
leave. You know, a lot of my friends have big families that are kind of like rooted there and it's hard for them to get out, but it's like, you know, you're going to get to, a, it's going to get to a point where you're going to have to, you're going to have to at some point. So it's like, just, well, I will know. say this, you know, I mean, the culture is very important and family is very important. Yeah. Um, but if you're married and you have kids, I mean, you, the Bible says that's your family now. Yeah. And you know, if your mom and your dad are still there, your uncles, your, your brother and your sister, and they don't want to leave, you have to think about what God has entrusted to you first. Yeah. And you have to, you have to get out and just go and thrive. And, you know, if you go there and you start thriving and it's so much better than where you came from, then maybe your family will see that and follow you. Yeah. You know, but yeah. take, you gotta take care of your people first. And yeah. yeah. I, I like on your website, like right here, this, so you guys just, you know, free man beyond the wall.com. You guys, you can check it out and support and uh, all that stuff. But just right here, it says, uh, your current focus is building strong local communities with the intention of mitigating state and federal overreach. And I love that. So, so like, what, what do you, what do you mean when you say like to build communities in order to mitigate state and federal overreach? Cause that's, that's exactly where I'm at with it. Well, it's exactly what I said earlier when I said that, um, you know, Hey, you know, you say, you know, the CDC comes out with a, you know, has oh. a platoon of people who are being sent to your town to force vaccinate people. Well, you have your sheriff and your militia, whatever it is, you meet them at the meet them at the town at the town line, you know, and you tell them it can happen. Awesome. You're going to have to you're going to have to kill us, you know, and really, if you start fostering a if people get elected to leadership and they are real leaders and they start talking about this stuff, people will go along. People will see that. You know, especially if it's somebody local that they know, somebody that they respect. Um, I'm I'm supporting the um, Mises Mayor's Pack, which is Mises oh. Mayor's um, um, Mises GOP dot com forward slash Pete. I mean, we're running Buck Johnson of the Counterflow podcast um, for city council in Lockhart, Texas. Very small town. Yeah. Um, and, you know, looking to get him on the city council and start doing this kind of work, looking to get other people in the city council and start doing this kind of work where you basically start restructuring locally, you know, entrenched bureaucracy and, you know, basically democracy. You know, I mean, democracy is, I don't even know what democracy, democracy doesn't really mean anything anymore. Um, but to me, when I hear democracy, I hear what the regime wants and whatever the regime wants, I want the opposite. And, so we're looking to have, you know, get Buck elected, get a couple other people elected and start doing that kind of work. You know, and I mean, I'm right now I'm kind of stuck where I am, but it, would, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that the end when I get out of this lease that, you know, I could end up in Lockhart, Texas or somewhere near there because I just believe in what, you know, what um, the Mises mayor, the mayor's pack is doing. And, you know, the goal is. You get there's I think there's 20,000 mayors in the United States. Hmm. We got 10,000 of our people elected mayor. We could really change. You know, the executive has a lot of power. And I wrote an article about this like a year and a half ago, hmm. how to take over, how to take over a town and, you know, do it in a very Machiavellian sort of way. And <laughs> yeah, the and that's basically what needs to be done. You just need to. When you when I talk about mitigating 
state and local. It's like, I mean, state and federal is build up your local community and you start talking about it like it's your country. You know, the the founders, John Adams called Massachusetts his country. Um, Thomas Jefferson called Virginia his country. That's the way these people thought. That's the way that this country was founded. Mm-hmm. And I think the easiest, there's no going back to that, obviously. Anybody who's like, oh, we have these, no, you have to modify it for the modern day. And I think the easiest way to modify it, to do it is, you know, my country is Lockhart, Texas. You know, my country yeah. is, you know, Clarksville, Tennessee. Something like that. Totally. Yeah. I don't know if we can get Nashville quite yet. That'd be quite a battle, but Clarksville, maybe Clarksville, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a friend who's lived in Clark, who lived in Clarksville for a lot, a lot of years. So yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even though, well, now everything's getting so expensive, even like rental and everything here in Nashville, I think everyone's fleeing to Clarksville. So Clarksville <laughs> might just turn into another Nashville, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, it's also a military town. So, Oh yeah. 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 So, um, so one of the things I know, like a, a very strong, uh, point with the libertarian community is like ending the federal reserve, like ending the fed. Right. Um, is that, is that just another way of saying like stopping usury? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the whole idea of eliminating the federal reserve? Is that, is that possible or what are your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, no one's going to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's a good bumper sticker in the Fed, yeah, true. but you know, it's not going to happen. It's, it, it could. So like, say the dollar crashed, obviously they have something in place that they'll just replace, they'll just replace it with. And people and the overwhelming majority of people will beg for it. They'll beg to be, you know, I had $50,000 in my, in my, um, my retirement account. Okay. You know, well, whatever the new thing is called, maybe it's just called the e-dollar or something like that. Um, you know, we'll replace 30,000 of it and everything. So people will be, people will beg for it. Really one of the best ways to do this, um, to mitigate the trouble of the federal reserve is to get in states past competing currency bills mm. so that you know like texas has its own gold depository and even the united states doesn't have that people are like oh well what about fort knox yeah there's no gold in fort knox i hate to i hate to break it to you um the, the money is not backed by anything and the gold is gone it's probably in china who knows and yeah, if you have a competing currency bill that, that's passed that means that any in the state localities and everything legally can adopt silver, gold, Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever they want as a, or they can just like competing currency, like the bill says. And I think that if people wanted to really end the Fed, quote, end the Fed, well, end the Fed's influence in your local area and basically be like, well, in order to operate here, you don't have to use the dollar. You can use something else, you know, and maybe you can use a um, a more scarce um, form of um, a more scarce form of money, mm-hmm. you know, like Bitcoin or something, you know, something else. But yeah, I mean, I think that really that's just what you're looking at. The Fed's not going anywhere. It's 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 nice. It's a nice thing to say. I've said it. But sure. yeah, it's not it's not happening. And and like Owen was saying the other day, like if, if it were to be if we were to eliminate the Federal Reserve and just like like usury in general, it would be there would be a new system the next day to replace it because there'd be people saying, like, well, I want to take out a loan for stuff I can't afford right now. Like it's just like a supply and demand. Like we 
it's it's back on us, you know, it's back on us. And that a lot of this stuff too, like it reminds me of what we were talking about earlier is that like about just like the morality of your community too. Uh, it's like the, the amount of government in your life is a direct result. It's directly proportionate to the morality of your community. Like if you're living in hell, if you're living in a big city with just crime and just everything everywhere, you're going to have police. You're going to have like, like the presence of government in your face constantly. But if you're living in like a small community and, uh, you know, it's like, there's no crime and everybody's like living like moral, high moral values. Like you're not going to have crime. You're not going to have government anywhere. You got like maybe a sheriff, like in the next town over just sits on his desk you know what i mean like you know what i mean so it's like it's back on us like all the solution is back on us to take responsibility for us and build our families and build our communities and and strengthen those ties and then that that in itself eliminates so much of these problems and eliminates the need for government in the first place yeah well i mean here's the thing whether but it's because people went to government schools for you know 15 20 years or because it's something ingrained in us. People want a government. Well, give them a government. Give them a local government. It doesn't have to be. It can be what you want it to be. It just call it a government. Mm-hmm. You, you it, while you're privatizing, you know, security, privatizing schools, privatizing courts, locally, and you're, you know, getting stuff down. Call it a government. Who cares? Who cares what it's called? If people want a government, give them a government. Say, hey, this is the this is the new government. This is the way things are going to be. Um, but you know, work towards things that will be less. Um, I mean, corrupted uh, by the system. You see, the problem with local government, local and state government, is you know when the New Deal regime was put into place, it was infested. Even local governments were infested by this, you know, radical leftist, Zionist, proto-Zionist influence to basically turn everything into a quote-unquote democracy. And that needs to be destroyed. You have to start at the local level. And you just, anything, you know, that points to that, you got to reverse. And... I mean, it's like I say, you know, you, you say, oh, well, we'll just elect one person to Washington and that person will take care of it all. Mm-hmm. Just, come on. It's not going to happen. It's, I mean, it could happen, but it's going to be, you know, I see it happening way down the line. I think long, long after I'm out of here, you know, long after I've checked out of the checked off earth. But the yeah. um, but in the meantime, you do it locally and if people don't like it. You just get rid of them. I mean, mm-hmm. not when I say get rid of them, not like yeah. in the mob. Not, not in the sense of, you know, like good fellas. Yeah. I'm saying you may, pay them to leave or force them to leave or yeah. tell them you're going to tax them 75%. You know, some way to just make sure that they're gone. I mean, you want to surround yourself. I mean, everybody talks about voluntary, you know, voluntary. Oh, every vo- interaction should be voluntary. If you don't have people around you who don't agree with that, it's not going to work. That's why you, know, you have to surround yourself with people who, um, if you're going to build a community, the community is going to have to either agree with what you're doing or get in line and either way you're still gonna have to watch people closely which is mm-hmm. brings me back to mentioning singapore and you know chile circa 1970 early 80s where you know discipline yeah you know, i mean it sounds authoritarian but i'm sorry that's the only the only way you are going to keep liberty if you get it is to defend it jealously mm-hmm 
because people are going to overthrow it. People are going to try to overthrow it, especially leftists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's almost like we need like Sharia law here just for like maybe a year just to rebalance <laughs> things out a little bit. Right. Hilarious. Well, well, you know, there's no I, I don't <laughs> think there's any drag queen story hour in, in Afghanistan <laughs> right now. That's a good point. That's a good point. There is a George uh, Floyd mural in Kabul. OK, and why is why is it there? Because well, the United, you know, because the United States global homo, and you know, the United States along with global homo and everybody, um, all the other, you know, globalists, where it's like, okay, so we have we, we've taught people about Saint George Floyd, Saint George Fentanyl in mm-hmm. um, in the United States. So now we need to spread that out globally. It's a very Trotskyite idea, you know. Lenin, Lenin and Stalin were like. You know, communism is for us. Communism is for us and our peoples. But Trotsky yeah. was like, no, communism doesn't work unless it takes over the whole world. That's why when I hear people like who are libertarian universalists and they're like, well, liber- the libertarian message is for the-, the message of liberty is for everyone in the world. I'm like, yeah. so you're a Trotsky now? Mm. I mean, it's not for everybody in the world. There are people in the world who don't want it. You know, who don't? I mean, it's like the whole thing of, um, Oh, we're going to go to Africa and, you know, we're going to go to the poor parts and we're going to hand out constitutions. Okay. So they're going to use that as kindling. Yeah. What's your, no, this is for us. Yeah. This is for people who can, and this isn't even for most of us. Most of the people can't handle it. No. Give people an ounce of freedom and they don't know what to do with it, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Or they do, they, they start do complaining. Like- yeah, they, exactly. they start complaining for they want you give them an ounce of freedom and they want handcuffs. They yeah. want you to put handcuffs on them. Totally. Totally. You know, I got a funny story for you. Like, it's kind of weird how the George Floyd fairy tale has been exported throughout the world. Um, I actually did an interview with a guy named Muntadhar Al-Zaidi. You remember? OK, do you remember the guy that threw the shoes at George? Yeah, w? yeah. George sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tracked him down. I got a translator and I did it. I did a show with him. You know what I mean? And uh, it was he's in. uh Oh man, he's in Iraq. I can't remember. I think I don't. I don't want to say Baghdad. Maybe, maybe Baghdad. But he's in Iraq. You know what I mean? And uh, it was such a powerful interview, and just hearing from his perspective, just like what it was like living in Iraq before, during, and after the American occupation. It's just so heartbreaking. Then at the end of the interview, he's like, "I just want to pause and say," and he has like this little medallion, like a George Floyd medallion. And he's like, "I just want to say, you know, I just give." give strength and give praise to everybody and you're dealing with the George Floyd situation. I'm like, Whoa, dude, that's crazy. Like out of the complete left field. Like, it's just like the story has been exported as like this, um, you know, probably I can't even imagine the propaganda that they received around it over there, but it was just like, he was just very impassioned. It was kind of like, Oh man, like it was just like, Oh, but let, let me, let me take a minute to explain this, <laughs> the full totality of the situation. But that wasn't yeah. really the time of the place, but it was really interesting. Like his heart warm sentiments. Like it was almost like he was expressing sorrow for like our, our national like tragedy that had occurred. You know what I mean? It was just like, it was, it was very interesting, very interesting turn of events during that interview. Sir, I don't mean to, it's like, sir, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm going to be cutting you off right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, man. Uh, so, so as we're winding down here, I just had one more thing I was kind of curious about. Sure. Um, I wonder what your take is and your perspective is on the idea of like a national divorce secession, all that stuff. Like, is it possible? Would you be in favor of that? Can we just let them have, like, you guys can just have the West Coast. You can just have the whole thing. It's the best part. It's, be, it's beautiful, and I love it, but you guys can just have it. How about that? I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I'll give you the 
the answer that everyone gives, and then I'll give you the real answer. Um, okay. I think it'd be if a Republican was president, it would be a lot easier to sell secession if, say, California wanted to secede first. I think a blue state seceding first would be that would open the door. It would open the floodgates. Um, that's pretty much what a lot of people say. Um, I actually think that Texas could secede even under a Democrat president. Um, the reason I say that is they have their own economy. They have their own culture. Um, I've spent I've been to Texas seven or eight times this year. And you know, when you when you see people stand up and recite the Texas Pre Pledge of Allegiance um, over the American Pledge of Allegiance, when you see people flying the Texas flag above the American flag, when you see, when you know that Texas schools have their own, they have their own course in tech, in the history of Texas, you start to realize that, sure, I mean, of course there are centers, Dallas is liberal, Austin is liberal, obviously, but surrounding Austin is not, because <laughs> I spent a lot of time there. Um, and you see that Texas could possibly do it. The biggest problem, and I, I talked about this with Paul Fahrenheit on my show when he was talking about Texas secession, is that um, Fort Hood is, you know, an hour and 15 minutes north of, uh, of Austin. And Fort Hood is controlled by the regime. Mm -hmm. So the biggest problem would be, I, I, I want to say it's Highway 71, but I'm probably wrong. Um, watching tanks rolling down to Austin from, you know, rolling down to the Capitol from Fort Hood. And, but one thing that does give me hope in something like that is the fact that, you know, a lot of the military has become paused, completely paused. They're trying to, they, they want, they actively try to recruit homosexuals, actually try to recruit trans, transgender people. And I just think that it's a non-serious organization now. And I think that you know, the people that I know, like personally in my family who joined the military, they joined the military because it's a jobs program, basically. And there's a lot of people who are in there that it's a jobs program. Telling Americans to, you know, get in tanks and march on other Americans, I mean, we know it happened at Waco. So, um, <laughs> but the, I don't know about that now. The, the military is not the same military as it was in 1993. Absolutely. And yeah, I think Texas could pull it off. Um, you know, I, I spoke to Tom Woods recently and Tom said, mm -hmm. you know, I asked him about the possibilities of anarcho-capitalism happening in the next 50 years. And the only reason I asked him that is because some jerk off, youtube commenter who just you know is like it, it insists that that, that if you talk about anarcho-capitalism and you don't believe that it could happen in the next 50 years you're illegitimate so i asked tom tom's like no i don't think it can happen but i <laughs> he does hold the hope of secession and if you have secession if you have a national divorce um it's decentralization and once you start doing that the decentralization spreads like wildfire and you can have county, you know, you can have um, other states wanting to, counties wanting to, cities wanting to. And that's where you start seeing like more liberty. And, um, you know, I think that's that kind of decentralization. I, I hold out hope 
for national divorce. Uh, but I honestly, I'm not, uh, when it comes like the question always comes, will there be violence associated with it? Mm-hmm. Right now I'm at 70%, I believe 70% violence, 30% nonviolence. I just think that the regime, the way it is, is as <clears throat> any dangerous dying animal, you yeah. don't want to get around them as they're dying. They are lashing out at anything and trying to take anything with them. So, you know, I, I hold that hope. I think it can happen. I want it to happen. Okay. Um, I want Texas, you know, I would love for Alabama to do it now. Love yeah. to see Texas, love to see Texas do it soon. Um, but I honestly, it's there. There it's so hard it, that's it's such a hard one because you know you, you see the rhetoric as soon as you start talking yeah. about secession and everything and um it's just going to take someone with the brass, brass balls it's yeah. going to take a group of people with brass balls to say we don't care come yeah. and get us you know and i mean what better state could raise up a militia a fighting militia than texas mm-hmm. I, mean, <laughs> I mean come on <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like, too, it's like the leftist mentality is that they need people to subjugate and control and they need people that they can just like latch onto and 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 just bludgeon and be like, no, you need to think like us. And if all of a sudden we went over here and we're like, OK, yeah, that's cool. See ya, and did our own thing. They would just be in their own little echo chamber. They wouldn't have anybody to control and bludgeon, you know, so they need they need. <laughs> they need us like we're we're like it's yeah. like uh it's like it's like the joker and batman it's like i don't want to kill you i don't know what i'd do without you, you know? yeah exactly yeah yeah they're it's like, um they're like a bunch of little jokers like they, they wouldn't know what to do without us you know what i mean so that would be my biggest concern and they're, they're gonna be like oh no no you're not getting away so fast and therefore the, then the violence comes right so yeah i don't know but yeah. i i agree with you. i agree with yeah. you it'd be it'd be much more peaceful and 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 then it'd be so hilarious too, because again, they couldn't let us go over there and have our own little society where we're just like crushing and thriving. And they're over here and just, and it's all dark and horrible and nobody knows what gender they are. It's like, it's like, dude, well, they'd look over the, yeah. the fence at us and be like, wait a minute. Yeah. That's, that, that's the problem I have with the whole Hoppy and covenant community thing. Not the fact that it can be done. I, I, I honestly believe it can be done. And I actually believe it's what must be done, <laughs> but the idea that you're going to, you know, the thing I like most about it, like a communist covenant community over here is I know where to aim the drone (laughs) because those people are going to, they're going to be coming for you Mm -hmm. sooner or later. Yeah. You know, so, you know, maybe we could do another show on the fact that what do you do with these? What do you do with these people? If you get, you get what you want, you get your way. Because, oh, yeah, these people are dangerous, man. They're never going to give up. They're never going to stop. You know, it's like, um, yeah. like Oren McIntyre said, the people who um, the people who want to be left alone will always be defeated by those who, you know, will never leave you alone. And I, you know, I said and I've taken I paraphrase that and I said, um, you know, you become a libertarian when you just want to be left or you become a libertarian or an anarchist or volunteerist when you just want to be left alone and you become something else when you realize they're never going to leave you alone. Never going to. Exactly. And that, that's something also I had on my list to talk about at some point is the uh, um, industrial society and its future. I know you're very fond of that and just like the, oh, the, the, 
yeah, it's so great. If anybody hasn't read Industrial Society in its future, go check it out and I'll just leave it there. But like just that he does such a great analysis of the leftist thinking of just like, you know, if they, if there's not a problem for them to bitch about, they'll create one. Right. And they, need they have to. They have to. They have to create. They 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 need their um, they need their surrogate activities. So they have to create a problem. You know, it's like and one of the one of the things he says is they bring up they will constantly bring up um, issues that were solved long ago. So yeah. every once in a while, you'll see on Twitter, someone will go, I oppose slavery. <laughs> well, that's yeah. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I don't think you would have in 1855. I don't think <laughs> yeah. you would have been brave enough to in 1855. Yeah. But uh, sure, stunning and brave to be against slavery in 2022. Yeah, that's hilarious. I love that. That's that's perfect. I'm gonna have to take that and use that. Like, oh, yeah, but you probably wouldn't be back then. That's for sure. That's hilarious. <laughs> Wow. Well, shoot, Pete, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Like such an honor. I uh, just love everything that you're doing. Like if you guys aren't following him online on Facebook and now Twitter, I did find his Twitter because apparently he has to jump around here. So let's see here. So we got, uh, what are you, you're at, uh, at the PQ. At the PQ. Yeah. At the PQ. So dude, you're, you're, you're just you're doing great, man. Doing great work. I, I love your show. I love all your stuff you're doing and your humor. It's like, it's just right below the surface and like either you get it or you don't. And it, and if and if you get it, then awesome. If you don't, like, that's fine too. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love it, dude. So anyway, tell the people how they can uh, follow and support you. Other than this, uh, the Pete Quinones show at every podcatcher for now. I'm, I'm still on YouTube. Amazing. Yeah, I saw that. I'm um, like, damn. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm still I'm still monetized on YouTube too. Wow. They've they've demonetized a couple of my videos recently. That's for sure. Um, they do that every once in a while, but I haven't had a strike in a long time, and I don't know how because it's wild. some of the things. Well, I I was smart. I didn't put Owen's episode up there. Um, okay. The episode with E. Michael Jones about Weimar Republic. I knew there was no way I was going to be able to put that on. I mean, he said Jew like five hundred <laughs> times in the first ten minutes, so it was like no way that was going to happen. Um, but yeah, the Pete Quinones show, um, PeteSubstack.com. I okay. try to write there three days a week. And oh, nice. I mean, anything from like yesterday, I just wrote an article about the Pareto principle, 80-20, and trying to build a movement, you know, using using what you can learn from the Pareto principle. And then on Wednesday, I showed a video of a local, a local school board that looked like they were like proving that Pizzagate was real. Mm. I, I mean, like something that they they handed out. I mean, it's, so I, I write on pretty much whatever is really bugging me. That's what I write about. And I try to do that Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Sometimes I take a day off because I don't I'm either scared I'm going to repeat myself or I really need a break. Yeah, <laughs> and um, if you want to support my work, you can go to freemanbeyondthewall.com forward slash support. And I mean, I have everything there from my own I have my own uh, payment system, subscription system on my website, Patreon, Subscribestar. I even took a page out of Owen's book and put my P.O. Mm. box up there. So if people want cool. to send me stuff in the P.O. box, you know, and um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So. OK, cool. Well, thank you so much, man. I really, really appreciate it. And we'll have to do this again soon and just uh, keep up the great work, man. Yeah, I look forward to it. Maybe next time we can get really um, we can yeah, try we to get you kicked off of a couple platforms. That's fine. Well, see, I'm on right, right now. I don't, I don't have, I'm not on any platform. I can get kicked. Well, I am on Rockfin, and we know yeah, how they can. Yeah, yeah. They, but, but, I'll but, try yeah, to get you kicked off of one. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be awesome. All right, Pete. Thanks so much, brother. Appreciate it. All right, it. brother. Yep. Bye.